Hello, I'm Wendy Rigby. You're listening to Texas Biobytes from Texas Biomed. As students gear up to head back to classes, public health officials and school districts encourage parents to make sure their children are up to date on their immunizations. A new trend called vaccine hesitancy has created unwarranted fear of these life-saving preventive measures. Texas Biomed scientists are working hard to create better and new vaccines and to educate people about why following a vaccine schedule is so important to protect you and everyone else around you from infectious diseases. I asked two of our experts in the field to weigh in on this important topic. My name is Jean Patterson. I'm a professor at Texas Biomedical Research Institute, and I'm a virologist. As a virologist, characterize for us the importance of vaccines in preventing disease. Probably the development of vaccines is one of the greatest achievements of the 20th and 21st centuries as far as preventing disease. They're right up there with antibiotics. What is the challenge when scientists are looking to create new or better vaccines? You want to make sure that the vaccine is safe and that you're much better having the vaccine than getting the disease. The risk-benefit is, is obvious. From the time we're born to we're about six months old, we cannot get vaccinations. We're too young to receive a vaccination. So in that zero to six-month time, every human being on this planet had to rely on the people around them not making them sick. And that meant that every single one of us is better off today because the people around us got vaccinated against smallpox, against measles, against rubella, against mumps, against polio. But that little baby has nothing to protect itself. And so we have to be the protectors. Texas Biomed's Vice President for Research, Dr. Joanne Turner, also serves as the Executive Director of the Vaccine Development Center of San Antonio. So in your view, have vaccines almost become a victim of their own success sometimes when people hesitate to get a vaccination because they haven't witnessed the suffering that can come along with vaccine-preventable illnesses? I think we are a victim of our success. Many uh, of the younger generation have never experienced an infectious disease that's caused such devastation. Uh, the older generation have. My mother will give me many examples of her family and friends that uh, really got sick from measles, for example, which is something we don't always consider to be so significant now. But it was. It was a killer. Um, it created significant um, health problems for many individuals. And I think we've forgotten what that feels like. But we're, we're really just you know, a couple of days away from something big happening again. Either something we know and we're not vaccinating for or something unknown. So we need research on infectious disease and vaccines so that we can stop these diseases having really a major burden on human health. This mistrust from a small but vocal group of anti-vaxxers comes from science that was published and then disputed later. Can you tell us is this junk science linking vaccinations to a risk of autism? So the original paper by Andrew Wakefield is retracted by the scientific community. Um, it was been, it's been proven that it's incorrect. That paper um, actually made very limited claims, but the publicity that came from that paper afterwards linked autism and vaccines, and that was incorrect. Uh, there's been decades worth of research that have disproven that. So vaccines don't cause autism. I think they're making some headway in understanding what does, but it's still early days. It requires a lot of science, and we've put a lot of scientific effort into really um, kind of proving that Wakefield paper was incorrect. 
So people who choose not to vaccinate their children because of this risk they've heard about are really putting their children in danger of much greater risk by not vaccinating them. So there is a, a risk from not vaccinating. And I think that misinformation is easily accessible. It's in the media, it's on websites, it's incorrect. Um, really, it would be better if parents were talking to scientists and I understand the challenges of having a conversation with scientists. We speak a different language. We need to do better getting our information out there and showing what we've proved to be incorrect. Certainly public health officials say that vaccines were one of the, the greatest medical advances of the 20th century. Do you agree? I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yes, we have really reduced human suffering from infectious disease significantly. It's improved quality of life. It's allowed people to work. Uh, you know, having a flu vaccine means you're not off from your job. In winter, when the flu season's around, there's lots of economic impact, there's health impact. It really impacts people's whole lives um, and really ha um, impacts kind of global health in general. Can you explain what is community immunity or herd immunity, if you will, and why should we as parents of children or grandchildren, why should we care about this? So herd immunity is having a significant amount of the population protected against an infection to protect those that are unable to have vaccines. There are individuals that can't be vaccinated. They're either too young because they're newborns, uh, they maybe have cancer and they're in chemotherapy, and some would have medical conditions that prevent them having vaccinations. Uh, so they rely on the community around them being protected so that they can't actually catch those infectious diseases. And so by vaccinating ourselves, we're being very altruistic and we're protecting individuals in our community that cannot be vaccinated. So really you're making it sound almost like your civic duty. I, I believe it is our civic duty in the same way that um, we don't drink and drive. Uh, it is our civic duty to protect others. Some people just don't like to be told what to do and they feel like this is the government getting into the middle of their lives but it's a safety issue that affects everyone and just like we have speed limits on the highways we we need to put some guardrails around the vaccination issue i perfectly understand why people don't want to be told what to do um, i encourage people to become informed uh, really talk to the people that are giving you the correct, accurate, scientifically tested information um, and then make that decision for yourself. Vaccines protect us. Um, they've been developed over decades from many scientists working really hard and not for profit. We don't make money from this. It's our scientific career using individuals' taxpayer money that funds a lot of that research. So we're working for the public and we have developed vaccines that work and we've developed vaccines that protect the population. public health campaigns are trying to reinforce vaccine safety and effectiveness. You protect them every day. So do vaccines. Immunization. It's safe, proven protection against 14 serious diseases like measles and whooping cough. So give your baby the recommended vaccines before age two and get a little help in the protection department. For more reasons to immunize, talk to your child's doctor or go to cdc.gov vaccines. To understand the science behind vaccine successes, I asked Dr. Patterson to explain how they are developed and how they work. What are the different kinds of vaccines? 
There are several kinds of vaccines. Some of the earlier ones were live vaccines. Cowpox, which is what we use to eradicate smallpox, was a live vaccine that came from cows. We eventually developed killed vaccines, which is to take that vaccine that's live and somehow inactivate it, sometimes with formalin, sometimes with other compounds. That's best known when we started to develop the salt polio vaccine. That was the first kill vaccine that was well known. Then then we developed live attenuated, which means that they're they are actually living and they reproduce, but they're attenuated in such a way that they either don't cause disease or they're tempered in how many replicative cycles they can have. And then we've developed vector-based vaccines, and this is where we use other sometimes viruses, as a, as a vector to carry in a protein that's related to the vaccine we're interested in. So we use adenovirus and we can put in HIV or we can in polio or whatever, and that vector replicates for generally one cycle but elicits an immune response to the pathogen we're con- of concern. Is there any form of vaccine that's more effective than the other? It's a case-by-case basis. Every pathogen we looked at has different ways that it avoids the immune system, it responds to the immune system, and that can tell us a lot about which type of vaccine we want to use. Um, in many cases, a live vaccine is always um, elicits a better immune response, but it's less safe. So we have to generally make a decision based on the pathogen itself. A lot of people say, I don't take the flu shot because once I got the flu shot and then I developed the flu. That is not possible, is it? And what kind of vaccine is the flu vaccine? The the flu vaccine that most people get is through a shot. That is killed virus. So it's not possible to get the flu when you have an inactivated virus. There is a, a nasal spray, which is a live attenuated form, which is called cold adapted, which is a mutation such that it does not replicate for long in your, in your body, but it does induce the same sort of immune response that you would get from a real flu infection, as does the killed vaccine. It gives you the same immune response as if you got a natural infection. It's also possible that you could get a flu shot, a flu vaccine, and you don't have enough time before you're exposed to flu, so you could actually develop symptoms. But it's much better to have had the the flu vaccine if you do become exposed and you do get it because you'll get a lesser severe form of influenza. So once I get the flu shot, how long does it take until I create immunities? You would want to have it at least two weeks before you're exposed. So the earlier in the season you get it, it's always better. Right, because we always see it comes up really early, sometimes August or September. Yeah, so as soon as the flu vaccine is available, it's best to get it take it as soon as possible. And now it's recommended for infants six months and older and everybody else except if you cannot take it. That's exactly right. We lose about 36,000 people a year to influenza every year. So this is the time of year when parents are getting their children ready to go back to school. They're buying school uniforms and school supplies, but they're also having to make sure that their children are up to date on their vaccinations if they're heading back to a public school. Why is it important to keep on a vaccine schedule? The importance of a vaccine schedule is that the investigators, epidemiologists, physicians have all learned what the the best schedule is. They know how often you should receive a vaccine, they know what age is best to receive it, and they know when you need to repeat a vaccination. So the only way we can keep it monitored is to follow the schedule that you get from your physician and do it as carefully as possible. In the case of Bear County where we live, If you can't afford vaccines, there are ways for you to procure them. That's true. Um, 
the public health departments can always provide vaccines for people if they need it. Um, and there's often just whole mass vaccinations where people just open up a, a, a gym and say, come on in and we can give you all the vaccines you need. What are scientists at Texas Biomed working on in terms of vaccines? We're working on several vaccines. We're working on vaccines to Ebola, to Marburg, to Zika, and to Nipah at this point in time. Why is it important for us to work on something that doesn't affect that many people? You mentioned two diseases in particular there, uh, Ebola and Zika, that really not that many people have been exposed to. Why is it important to have vaccines against these diseases? The importance for vaccines against diseases that we might not see is that we're readily available in case there is an outbreak. It's also important to make vaccines so that we provide herd immunity so that you don't inadvertently expose someone else to a disease which might be very damaging to them or to, in the case of Zika to their fetus. So the more we were vaccinated, the more hum herd immunity we have in the community, the less likely is that this um, pathogen circulates in the community at all. As a scientist, what do you like about doing this kind of research? I like thinking that every day that you can look at a problem and see if you can help fix it. I, I think that that's one of the more exciting parts of this job that you can possibly have. You can wake up some morning and say, I think I have an idea, and I want to, I want to do something with this idea and see if I can make it work and, and benefit someone. You've been listening to Texas BioBytes from Texas Biomed. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe. You can find us on iTunes and other popular platforms, or simply log on to our website, txbiomed.org, and search for podcasts. You can listen to other episodes and sign up to subscribe by email. That way, a new episode will show up in your inbox every two weeks. At Texas Biomed, we love sharing our science. Thanks for listening. I'm Wendy Rigby.